Well, hello everyone. I uh, trust you all are having a wonderful start to the week as we make our way to a significant moment in the Christian calendar, the Easter weekend. Last night I was reading um, my son, not reading my son, reading a book for my son, reading a Bible. Um, this year we got him a new Bible um, called the Jesus Story Bible. Every story whispers his name. It's written by Sally Lloyd-Jones and illustrated by Jago. It's one of our favourite books at the moment. Um, and as I read his bedtime um, story to him, I was just struck by how this kid's Bible um, tells the story of the crucifixion. And as weird as it sounds, I thought today that's what I will do um, for you. But first, let's uh, acknowledge the beautiful track we were just listening to. That's The Blessing by Melvin Crispell, featuring um, Miranda Curtis. As most of you know, of course, The Blessing is originally done um, by Elevation Church, which has Kerry Job uh, and her husband. Um, his name now just um, skips my mind. Um, but we all have um, sung that song immensely all of last year. Um, and I love the version, of course, that Kerry Job does. But today I decided to share um, this version that is done by Melvin Crispell and Miranda Curtis. Now back to um, reading. We're going to read, as I've mentioned already, from a kid's Bible today. And I honestly have no thought other than just this desire to read um, this story to you, trusting that the simplicity in it um, will bless you as you start, continue to contemplate your relationship with Christ and your resting in the acceptance and understanding of the immense blessing it was for us that he decided to take our place. All right, here we go. It reads as follows. The servant king, the last supper from Mark 14 to John 13 and 14. It was Passover, the time when God's people remembered how God had rescued them from being slaves in Egypt. Every year they killed a lamb and ate it. The lamb died instead of us, they would say. But this Passover, God was getting ready for an even greater rescue. Jesus and his friends were having the Passover meal together in an upstairs room. But Jesus' friends were arguing, what about? They were arguing about stinky feet. Stinky feet? Yeah, that's right. Stinky feet. Now the thing about feet back then was that people didn't wear shoes. They only wore sandals, which might not sound unusual, except that the streets in those days were dirty. And I don't mean just dusty dirty. I mean really stinky dirty. With all those cows and horses everywhere, you can imagine the stuff on the streets that ended up on their feet. So anyway, someone had to wash away the dirt. But it was a dreadful job. Who on earth would ever dream of volunteering to do this? Only the lowliest servant. I'm not the servant, Peter said. No, am I, said Matthew. Quietly, Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, picked up a basin of water, knelt down, and started to wash his friend's feet. 
You can't, Peter said. He didn't understand about Jesus being the servant king. If you don't let me wash away the dirt, Peter, Jesus said, you can't be close to me. Jesus knew that what people needed most was to be clean on the inside. All the dirt on their feet was nothing compared to the sin inside their hearts. Then wash me, Lord, Peter said, tears filling his eyes, all of me. One by one, Jesus washed everyone's feet. I am doing this because I love you, Jesus explained. Do this for each other. Now one of Jesus' friends had made a bad plan. No one else knew what the bad plan was. But Jesus knew, and so did Judas. Judas was going to help the leaders capture Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Go on, Judas, Jesus said. And Judas got up from the meal, left the room and walked out into the night. Then Jesus picked up some bread and broke it. He gave it to his friends. He picked up a cup of wine and thanked God for it. He poured it out and shared it. My body is like this bread. It will break, Jesus told them. This cup of wine is like my blood. It will pour out. This is how God will rescue the whole world. My life will break and God's broken world will mend. My heart will tear apart and your hearts will heal. Just as the Passover lamb died, so now I will die instead of you. My blood will wash away all your sins and you'll be clean on the inside in your hearts. So whenever you eat and drink, remember, Jesus said, I've rescued you. Jesus knew it was nearly time for him to leave the world and go back to God. I won't be with you long, he said. You are going to be very sad, but God's helper will come and you'll be filled up with a forever happiness that won't ever leave. So don't be afraid. You are my friends and I love you. Then they sang their favourite song and walked up to their favourite place, an olive garden. The wind was picking up now, blowing clouds across the moon, shrouding the garden in darkness. Stay up with me, Jesus asked his friends. They said yes and waited under the olive trees. But they were tired and soon they fell asleep. Jesus walked ahead alone into the dark. He needed to talk to his heavenly father. He knew it was time for him to die. They had planned it long ago, he and his father. Jesus was going to take the punishment for all the wrong things anyone had ever done or ever would do. Papa, father, Jesus cried, and he fell to the ground. Is there any other way to get your children back, to heal their hearts, to get rid of the poison? But Jesus knew there was no other way. All the poison of sin was going to have to go into his own heart. God was going to pour into Jesus' heart all the sadness and brokenness in people's hearts. He was going to pour into Jesus' body all the sickness in people's bodies. God was going to have to blame his son for everything that had gone wrong. It would crush Jesus. But there was something else, something even more horrible. When people ran away from God, 
They lost God. It was what happened when they ran away. Not being close to God was like punishment. Jesus was going to take that punishment. Jesus knew what that meant. He was going to lose his father. And that, Jesus knew, would break his heart in two. Violent sobs shook Jesus' whole body. Then Jesus was quiet. Like a lamb. I trust you, Papa, he said. Whatever you say, I will do. Suddenly, through the trees, a glitter of starlight flashed off steel. Into the quiet garden came whispers, muffled voices, clanking metals, and the sound of boots marching. Jesus stood up. He woke his friends. Now is the time, he said gently. Everything that was written about me, what God has been telling his people all through the long years, it's all coming true. And into the night, with the burning torches and lanterns, with swords and clubs and armour, they came, an army of soldiers. Judas led them straight to Jesus so they could arrest him. Jesus was waiting for them. Peter leaped up, took a sword and tried to defend Jesus. He sliced off a guard's ear. Jesus immediately touched the guard and healed him. Peter, he said, this is not the way. Peter didn't realize that no army, no matter how big, could ever arrest Jesus. Not unless Jesus let them. Then Jesus, who had never done anything except love people, was arrested as if he was a criminal. Jesus' friends were afraid, so they ran away and hid in dark shadows. The guards marched Jesus off and took him to the leaders. The leaders put Jesus on trial. Are you the son of God? they asked. I am, Jesus said. Who do you think you are to call yourself God? You must die for calling yourself the son of God. Only the Romans were allowed to kill prisoners, so the leaders made a plan. We'll tell the Romans, this man wants to be our king, and then they will crucify him. But it will all be all right. It was God's plan. It was for this reason that I was born into the world, Jesus said. So you're a king, are you? The Roman soldiers jeered. Then you'll need a crown and a robe. They gave Jesus a crown made out of thorns and put a purple robe on him and pretended to bow down to him. Your majesty, they said. Then they whipped him and spat on him. They didn't understand that this was the Prince of Life, the King of Heaven and Earth, who had come to rescue them. The soldiers made him a sign, our King, and nailed it to a wooden cross. They walked up a hill outside the city. Jesus carried the cross on his back. Jesus had never done anything wrong, but they were going to kill him the way criminals were killed. They nailed Jesus to the cross. Father, forgive them, Jesus gasped. They don't understand what they're doing. You say you've come to rescue us, people shouted, but you can't even rescue yourself. But they were wrong. Jesus would have rescued himself. A legion of angels would have flown to his side if he'd called. If you were really the son of God, you could just climb down off that cross, they said. And of course, they were right. Jesus could have just climbed down. Actually, he could have 
just said a word and made it all stop. Like when he healed that little girl and stilled the storm and fed 5,000 people. But Jesus stayed. You see, they didn't understand. It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus there. It was love. Papa, Jesus cried frantically, searching the sky. Papa, where are you? Don't leave me. And for the first time, and the last, when he spoke, nothing happened. Just a horrible, endless silence. God didn't answer. He turned away from his boy. Tears rolled down Jesus' face, the face of the one who would wipe away every tear from every eye. And even though it was midday, a dreadful darkness covered the face of the boy. The sun not shine, the earth trembled and quaked. The great mountains shook, rocks split in two, until it seemed that the whole world would break. That creation itself was tear apart. The full force of the storm of God's fierce anger at sin was coming down on his own son instead of his people. It was the only way God could destroy sin and not destroy his children whose hearts were filled with sin. Then Jesus shouted in a loud voice, It is finished! It was done. He had done it. Jesus had rescued the whole world. Father, Jesus cried, I give you my life. And with a great sigh, he let himself die. Strange clouds and shadows filled the sky. Purple, orange, black, black of leaves. Jesus' friends gently carried Jesus. They laid Jesus in a tomb, carved out of rock. How could Jesus die? What had gone wrong? What did it mean? They didn't know anything anymore, except they did know in their hearts they were breaking. That's the end of Jesus, the leaders said. But, just to be sure, they sent strong soldiers to guard the tomb. They hold a huge stone in front of the door to the tomb so that no one could get in or out. Jesus' friends were sad. They would never see their best friend again. How could this happen? Wasn't Jesus the rescuer, the king God had promised? It wasn't supposed to end like this. Yes, but who ever said anything about the end? Just before sunrise on the third day, God sent an earthquake, an angel from heaven. When the guards saw the angel, they fell down with fright. The angel rolled the stone away, sat on top of it, and waited. At the first glimmer of dawn, Mary Magdalene and other women headed to the tomb to wash Jesus' body. The early morning sun slanted through the ancient olive trees, drops of dew glittering on leaves and grasses, little tears everywhere. The friends walked quietly along the hilly path through the olive groves until they reached the tomb and immediately noticed something odd. It was wide open. They peered through the opening to the dark tomb, but wait, Jesus' body was gone. And something else, a shining man there with clothes made from lightning. Don't be scared, the angel said. 
but they couldn't help it. They screamed anyway. The angel asked them, what are you doing here? This is a tomb and tombs are for dead people. The woman couldn't speak. Jesus is, isn't dead anymore, he said. He's alive again. And their hearts leaped and the angel laughed with such gladness that they felt for a moment if they had, as if they had woken up from a nightmare. The other woman rushed home, but Mary stayed behind. How could it be true? Jesus was definitely dead. How could he be alive? Just then, Mary heard someone else in the garden. Perhaps it was the gardener, she thought. He'll know where Jesus' body is. I don't know where Jesus is, Mary said urgently. I can't find him. But it was all right. Jesus knew where she was and he had found her. Mary. Only one person said her name like that. She could hear her heart thumping. She turned around. She could just make out a figure. She shaded her eyes to see and thought she was dreaming. But she wasn't dreaming. She was seeing Jesus. Mary fell to the ground. Sudden tears filled her eyes and great sobs shook her whole body. And all she wanted in that moment was to cling to Jesus and never let him go. You'll be able to hold on to me later, Mary, Jesus said gently, and always be close to me. But for now, go and tell the others that I'm alive. Mary ran and ran all the way to the city. She had never run so fast and so far in all her life. She felt she could have run forever. She didn't even feel like her feet touched the ground. The sun seemed to be dancing and gleaming and bounding across the sky, racing with her and shining brighter than she could ever remember in the clear, fresh air. And it seemed to her that morning as she ran, almost as if the whole world had been made anew, almost as if the whole world was singing for joy. The trees, tiny sounds in the grass, the birds, her heart. Was God really making everything sad come untrue? Was he making even death come untrue? She couldn't wait to tell Jesus' friends. They won't believe me, she laughed. She was right, of course. <laughs> That's just beautiful, isn't it? Love, 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 love it. Well, I really enjoyed reading this story last night. And, you know, he went on to ask me, a whole lot of questions about Easter, which was really wonderful to share that moment in the story. And I know that sometimes in all these Christian um, celebrations that we have, whether it is Christmas or Easter, some more new age um, commercial elements of it has, have come into being, whether we're talking about Santa over Christmas period or now over um, Easter when we're looking at all the amount of Easter eggs and the bunnies and the fun that comes with that and don't get me wrong we absolutely have Easter decorations in our house we did that on Sunday and had an amazing time putting them up and my kids have their bunny ears and we've pulled out they um what is it called Easter egg hunt baskets and have dusted everything and we're ready for Sunday um, and that, and for me, you know, you, you could find something wrong with that and you absolutely are entitled to that view. But for us as a family, we absolutely enjoy 
um, all the fun parts too and the stories that come with that. But what we've made sure um, to never forget is to teach our children at the core the true, true meaning of these seasons. And it was certainly a beautiful and special moment for myself and my son last night as we read through um, the story I've told in a way that kids can only understand. And so if you enjoyed that story, that's wonderful. If you want to play it again for your children, that's also really um, wonderful. God did an incredible thing for us, um, an incredible life-changing, never-to-be-done-again thing in that he um, took our place while we were yet sinners. He still loved us enough and volunteered um, to place upon himself all the wrongdoings of mankind. And today you and I um, can live life and live it more abundantly because of this blessing that he gave us. I pray that you and your family will have an incredible week. And as you draw close to remembering the gift and the blessing that has been poured upon your life, that you will be um, filled with gratitude, that you will be in awe and that you will endeavor to share the same joy um, that God has bestowed you, that you would invite people to church if your church is welcoming people over, that you will create an opportunity for people to have an incredible encounter with our Lord and our Savior. Um, have a wonderful week, people. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that whilst we were yet sinners, you loved us, God. Thank you that you made sure that nothing could ever, ever separate us um, from your love and from your presence. We are so grateful. We are so grateful that you loved us before we even loved you. Um, that in the whole point of creating humanity was so that you will stay in relationship with us and that you've continued um, back then and now and forevermore to fight for that love. Um, you continue to fight for us. You continue to stand for us. You continue to fight for our redemption and our restoration. We love you and today just pour out all of our gratitude for all that you are in our lives. Be blessed now, be magnified in all that we are and in all that you are. We love you, Jesus. We bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Go well, folks. Happy Easter.